Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to In Lockdown with with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Laura Dobler. Hi Laura, how's things? Hello, things are okay I guess. (laughs) How are you coping with uh, lockdown and everything? You know, I'm just uh, trying to keep myself busy but it's it's not that easy. Even if I have time now, it's just not really in the mood to do much. (laughs) It's hard to keep yourself motivated, I found. Like, it's hard to keep, when it feels like the world's on fire, like, keep yourself yeah. going. Yeah. I've tried to actually write up a schedule for myself, but I just, I always think, oh, you know, I have all the time in the world, so whatever, I can just do these things tomorrow, and that just happens every single day. <laughs> That's the thing, and you put it back, and you put it back, and suddenly it's two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I wanted to start at the beginning and ask you, um, how did you first get interested in the arts and creative stuff, and... Um, what opportunities were there for you in terms of creative stuff when you were growing up? Well, I've always had a passion for reading, I guess, um, comic books or just books in general, um, magazines. So I was always kind of consuming media in some way or another. I think it wasn't until I discovered Muse, actually, the band, that I kind of got into consuming it so extensively that I've started gathering knowledge about how to make it, I guess. Because through them, I kind of discovered um, Tumblr, which was a big influence on me, and LiveJournal, which is where Mm. I discovered fanfiction. So I think after I started reading fanfiction, I realized, you know, random people are writing these because they want to, so why can't I? Mm. And I think... Because of that, I started writing, and then people were actually commenting on my things, and I was getting feedback, and I befriended this person who um, gave me her own work so that I can look over it, and I would give her my work so she could look over it, which was kind of like um, what we know now as script editors. Yeah. Um, And I think that's kind of like the beginning of me deciding I'm going to do this stuff professionally. And, and was it just a moment of realisation, like, I could actually do this? Was there someone who gave you the confidence that it could be something that you could do um, professionally? Um, I don't think it was a person. I've very much just influenced myself and pushed myself, especially back then. Um it's really weird because when I think about it, it's just like I was listening to this song and I just got this picture in my head of a character and I've just decided, you know what, this could be mm-hmm. good as a TV show. How about I try to become a TV writer? And that was kind of it. it was, <laughs> then I just pursued that and just went with it and wrote all the ideas that came to my head. And, you know, next thing you knew, I had a whole series planned yeah. out. So I was like, you know, my, might as well. <laughs> Exactly, and if it came that naturally to you, why not act on it? That seems like the natural thing to do. And were there many opportunities for you at school in terms of creative stuff and writing and things like that? Um, Well, creative stuff, I guess singing counts as creative, and I did do a lot of that back in school, but it wasn't really as 
influential <laughs> for my career now. Um, I did have a really wonderful English teacher. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but she was the one who kind of inspired me to go to English Olympiads and, right. you know, competitions where we actually have to write or do public speaking um, and actually write speeches, inspirational speeches on various themes. Obviously, the essay writing, you also had to write short stories. So I think as far as opportunities go in school, that's the most I've had, really. And were you writing mainly in English at this time? Yeah, yeah. You know, the weird thing is, um, it's kind of like a funny story that I tell people, I can't write in Romanian. I try. Um, even during exams, Romanian exams, when I had to do essays, I just write them in English and then translate them. <laughs> and that's not just to brag. It's, it's because I think, because I've read so much fan fiction and, and books and stuff in English, and I've worked so much in English, my vocabulary is kind of richer in English than it is in Romanian, yeah. so I express myself easier in that language. That's not to say that I'm not fluent in Romanian, obviously, but it's just easier in English. <laughs> that is really surprising, considering and it is your second language. Like, yeah. Well, um, you, I don't know if this is relevant. There was a competition, I think, last year or two years ago, um, for a Romanian screenwriting thing, uh, basically yeah. you had to write a short script for Sebastian Stan from Marvel. Right. Um, and obviously I jumped out the opportunity, even though it was like three days before deadline. Um, <laughs> but I was like, you know what, I might as well just try it, you know. Yeah. But I was just, it was horrendous. It was torture trying to write a story and a script in Romanian. It's just like, it was like three pages or five pages long. Oh. That was supposed to be the length. I just couldn't do it. It, it, was, it was horrible. The structure of it, or just the language itself, the kind of... Oh, because... it, it felt like I couldn't express myself in a way that I didn't feel was cringy, and yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> but it was just, I did, I did finish writing and I did submit, but obviously nothing came of it because I didn't like it, so why would anyone else really? But yeah, it was just... <sighs> That's when I realized that, no, I, I cannot write in Romanian. It's, it's not for me. <laughs> What, what opportunities would there have been available to you in Romania as a writer? Um, a lot of people go to this drama university, people interested in that kind of thing back home, but it's very uh, hard to get into when I think most of them end up coming out of it as actors or directors or producers and obviously because I can't write in Romanian it would have been so hard to actually do a course in Romanian and try to yeah. do all that work in Romanian so there, there are opportunities obviously I mean we have some really good shows on air in Romania right now um there's a comedy called Last Fiat Beans, which is actually really funny. I didn't really want to watch it, but um, I ended up doing it, and it's actually really funny, and the lines don't sound as cringy as my own when I, when I write in Romanian. Uh, and there's another show on HBO called Umbre, or Shadows, in English, which is it's genius. It's like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. I'm, I'm just amazed. So, you know, obviously those people, those writers, those directors, those producers came from somewhere and studied in the country. So I guess it's not impossible, but just as far as I've looked into it and as far as I've researched, I don't think I could have found any opportunities that would fit me necessarily. Right. Yeah. So uh, how did you make the decision to come to Wales? Um, well, first of all, I wanted to be close to home. Um, so, you know, I wanted to go to a place where I could speak the language and not have to learn a whole new one so it was you know it had to be a, an english-speaking country and yeah. america was just so far and it would have been way harder to to go there obviously because i need a visa and all that that i didn't need mm -hmm. in the uk so that was it practicality was one of the first reasons really um and then i did apply to five universities i got into all of them but when it came to choosing um well, I, I'm just going to admit it, you know, Wales was the cheapest, <laughs> and, um, and I, 
I did like Wales as a country. I've heard of Cardiff, um, and I have been a fan of Doctor Who for a while, so yeah. I knew about the whole Cardiff influence in Doctor Who as well. So I was like, you know what? This is it. I love Doctor Who so much, and I got into this university where Doctor Who is, you know, yeah. in the town that they're filming in. So, you know, it must be a sign from above. I have to take this one. See, <laughs> so you, I did. <laughs> you knew a little bit about Wales before you yeah. got here. Um, I mean, you know, the basics. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I, how do you feel that course? What? Because what, we did the same course at uni. Um, how do you feel that course kind of prepared you and built you up for life as a writer and creative um, outside of education? I think the most important thing I learned was how to be independent and how to look for my opportunities on my own so not mm. expect any help or handouts from like the lecturers or even you guys who are my classmates you know it's just like you you can't expect other people t to give you the opportunity you have to go out there and get it for yourself so like how we had to go and do work experience and find it on our on our own mm. that was kind of because I was so used to, you know, just being told what to do and being given the materials to do it that when I had to do it on my own, I was like, okay, this is this is a valuable experience to have. So, you know, that that more than anything. But also, so many things that Staves has taught us. Um, mm. Now that I'm writing on my own and I don't have anyone to give me deadlines or, well, you know, give me notes and stuff and give me guidance and I have to sort of guide myself. Um, for the most part, a lot of his advice is very valuable when it comes to questioning your own work and wondering what it's about and if it's dynamic enough and stuff like that. So, you know, even if some time it felt like we weren't really doing much, we yeah. were really actually absorbing a lot of a lot of lessons that we're only really realizing they were there now. I don't think we fully realized. You know, some of the stuff that yeah. they did with us at the time seemed pointless, like, when are we ever going to use this? Mm -hmm. But for me, in terms of structure was the main thing, kind of finding a structure that works for you, and, like, a structure that works generally. And um, that, for me, has improved the quality of my writing exponentially. Um, uh, I know people have said that it hadn't improved them much writers, but I personally feel that it, it did quite a lot. Yeah. I feel like we were stubborn too, and we just felt like, oh, I know my work the best, and you can't say anything about it because you don't understand it. And I think a lot of us really felt that, like, ah, oh, this person doesn't really understand what I'm trying to say, so I'm not going to listen to their advice. When really like it was in no one's interest to no. bash us or our work it was just to make us feel make us do better but we just didn't want to see it then i hope i hope we see it now <laughs> i think on reflection yeah um i i do see it and it's like they weren't it wasn't personal then it wasn't them having a go at us for the sake of having a go at us they were having a go in order to benefit us. You know, there was, I think a lot of us struggled with um, one advice, which was to limit our work to spaces that we're familiar with. Um, mm. And I know it was a big debate at the time, and a lot of us were very angry about that. And we argued, well, what if I want to write science fiction and set my story on Jupiter? I can't do it because I've never been there. How does that work? But now that I see it and now that I'm on my own trying to figure out how to write fresh stories and stories that are packed with feeling, I've realized that even utilizing just certain aspects of the things that I know works so much better than just... Mm creating stuff out of thin air or trying to relate to things that I've only really seen in other TV media and not with my own eyes. Because then, 
in the end, taking that advice was <laughs> was really good, even if I really hated it at the time. Yeah, because then what you're doing, if you're just copying things that you've seen maybe on TV or in films, you are kind of copying a kind of filmic reality that doesn't really exist. Whereas if you even write with kind of a smaller aspect of your own experience, there, there's a part of you in that work and, mm -hmm. and you feel connected to it yeah. in a much more strong way, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, you've written for a variety of different mediums, not just in uni but outside of uni as well. Um, yeah. Which sort of come the most naturally to you? Um, if you had asked me this a few years ago, I would have said TV because I was writing so much that it couldn't fit into anything shorter. But now I have to say film because it's, it's both visual um, and it's sort of like not as, hard as theater I've always found theater really complicated because it's so layered with a lot of more metaphors than, yeah. than you have in tv and film or at least for me um, um so yeah I mean radio is also really nice and I've been told that I'm good at writing for radio because I also have the skills to actually make whatever it is that I'm writing um but really it's just film I just like it because it's it's to the point and it's visual and it, it, it can tell a story in really broad strokes, I guess, but also, you know, you can dive deep into something, but mm. only take two hours to do it instead of, I don't know, two series. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you can take different bits from different mediums, at least. I think uh, you would feel this as well, but the stuff I like for theatre, the conventions in there which can be transferable to film stuff or TV stuff. And, you know, I've started downloading TV quite recently. And it's hard to get out of that mindset of you're not, you're not writing a play. This is not a play. So don't try and overload the dialogue because it's not a play. Do, do you ever feel like that with your mind kind of tricks you in regards to the, the different... Do you know what I'm kind of trying to say here? The differences? Yeah. yeah, I think for me the problem is that I'm too descriptive in things and I forget that even if, you know, I'm writing this so that people will read it because not... I, I, I don't have the chance to actually make a film um, right now so the mm. script that I'm writing is really only meant to be read. But at the same time, a script is meant to be made in the future, so I can't just go all description all the time like I am, like if I were to write a novel. And that is one of my main problems because I always forget that it is something for screen that I'm writing mm. and it's not just, you know, a book where people need to see everything through my words. Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of similar in a way and all of these mediums are sort of similar in some way which is why we're we're having a hard time kind of forgetting about all of the other ones and focusing on on the medium that we're doing but at the same time why not do this fusion if you can find yeah. a nice balance of you know play-esque feeling in a in a movie script why not do it you yeah. know and I think we can be kind of restricted by these four mediums, mm. whereas there is scope for um, diversion within them, and there is scope for playing about with things and trying things out. And if they don't, if they don't work, they don't work. If they yeah. do, I feel like all of these rules, when it comes to writing, sure they they have a point and they've been in place for a long time because they work. But at the same time, as writers, isn't our job to sort of break through those barriers and just make something creative? Like, as long as it works and it's good, who cares that it doesn't respect the rules, right? Exactly, exactly. 
in order for something to be groundbreaking, to be something really fresh and really new, to some extent it needs to break some of those rules. Um, you had the experience as a script supervisor with It's My Shout. Uh, can you explain to people who don't know what that role involves? Um, well, <laughs> as I've learned um, on set, it involves a lot of things that I wasn't expecting. Um, so the main job is pretty much, you know, being really, really familiar with the script that you're working with and sort of try to pay attention to um, how it's being acted out. So are the actors respecting the lines in the script and, you know, sort of try, trying to keep what you're filming as close to the script as possible. Although, you know, the directors always might change their minds about certain stuff, you know, actors could do improvisation or whatever but you know the main job is to sort of try to make sure that the script and what is being filmed um coincide i guess mm. but apart from that um we also had to time every take and basically work closely with the director so that we'd note we had sheets and we'd note we which take was good which take was bad why um, we also had to work with the sound department because some scenes didn't have sound or some scenes had sound that was really bad. So we had to write those down because everything that we wrote down, um, all of the records that we kept would then be used um, by the editors um, in the post-production, basically. So it was kind of the most important job on set. Um, makeup, hair, all of, all of the departments really just kind of needed the script editors to guide them so they'd ask us how is the, this person's hair in this scene was it parted on that side or the other side because you know during during filming obviously things change and we just have to respect um the good take for continuity mm -hmm. so basically looking out for continuity was incredibly important and it was very hard because you forget things obviously if a take lasts like, I don't know, three three or four minutes, you forget what happened in the first minute, obviously, because you need to pay attention to so many small details. So, you know, it, it was kind of hard during the first day to sort of grasp with all of the things that we had to do, because um, obviously there was writing involved, and while you were writing, you couldn't really watch the screen, so you couldn't pay attention to all of those small details. Mm. So it was, it, was, it was really kind of hard, but, you know, we were a team, and we figured it out as we went along, and it ended up being a really good result. So, you know, I would do it again and I probably will if, you know, this whole situation <laughs> goes away or dulls down and we can Hopefully. get some more lives. Is, is it something that you'd like to do, um, like professionally in your career? I think kind of like as a stepping stone to something bigger. I mean, not necessarily bigger, just, you know, if I had to be on set as something before I could become a producer or whatever, mm -hmm. I would take script editor for sure because it was really fun. Even if it's very hard, it's very fun. <laughs> I suppose it gives you the stepping stones to be able to get up to the yeah. role of producer. And it's such a good position too because, like I said, you can just, you mm -hmm. have to work with every single department. You have to work with makeup, costume. Um, the directors, um, the second AD, literally the actors, everyone needs your help. Sound, camera, everyone. So it's a really great way to just network and get to know everyone. And especially as I want to become a producer, it's so valuable to just work mm. with these people from all these departments to sort of learn what each of them needs. Yeah. And as a producer, you will need to know what's happening in every department on set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you, I haven't got this in my notes, but how did you get interested in production and being a producer? Um, maybe because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> and because I kind of like doing everything myself. So I think it started with 
me sort of visualizing my writing projects and making these little photo edits and then that kind of led me to you know make fan castings and stuff so I was technically in charge of casting in a way in my own little fantasy production and then I choose songs and be like ah this song relates to this scene so you know I was in charge of music then and I just sort of like build this fantasy production in my head I think that's how it started it was very small but then in uni when we had the chance to like put on shows or be in charge of more than just writing so like when we did the transmedia project for snowflakes and we had to you know figure out a whole marketing strategy for our little show I was just I enjoyed that so much I didn't know that I would but I did so I was like you know what this is something that I actually want to do you know just get to know as many people as possible and learn from as many places as I can and you know just sort of control what the final product looks like yeah so yeah it is because I'm a control freak (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just having that creative say over so many aspects of a project. But there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, isn't there? Yeah, but when you like it, it doesn't really feel much of a pressure, Mm -hmm. more like, kind of like a task list, not like, oh, this is stressing me out and this is stressing me out. It's more like, oh, this is what I have to do and this is what I have to do. And because you like it, kind of gives you a rush getting all those things done. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I can yeah. see that. Uh, do, do you think there's a way in for you if you wanted to become a producer? Do you think there are, in the industry today, do you think there are ways in where you can work your way up to that level? Or is it more difficult to find those opportunities? I think It's My Shout is always going to be a really great way to get your foot into the door. And even just meeting people. If because my experience was if I showed interest in stuff, even if it wasn't for script editing or whatever, um, people will talk to you and they will help you and they will give you contacts of other people who might help you. So I think so. there's always a way to get what you want if you really want it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is something that everyone's been telling us, but do stuff yourself. Because then, you know, it's like, oh, how do I become a producer? Just produce stuff, you mm-hmm. know, especially for radio. Um, then maybe theater, if you have, you know, a bunch of friends and an empty space. You, you can do a lot of things with not that much money, too. Um, yeah. I think maybe that's just me being, you know, resource, resource for a little Eastern European lady <laughs> trying to make things um, with no money at all. But, you know, like, you can always just do stuff with very, very little money and make it be good, you know? Just and then people will see it and will recognize you and will mm. offer you better opportunities and so on until you get to where you want to be. Just because the production value is low doesn't mean the work isn't good. You can mm-hmm. still exactly. make fantastic work on low budget. <laughs> and yeah, like you say, get, get steam get people to know your work and then it's the same with every kind of creative discipline I guess Mm -hmm. um just try and build yourself up from there well I've learned that you can't expect handouts and that if you want something you just need to go and get it you know Mm. if if you want to get really big in this industry just do it on your own you know because you have the chance that's kind of why created this whole good donut writing thing as well because I just yeah I don't really want people to give me a job when I can just make a job for myself you know that's the thing that that there aren't any jobs out there and the creators you've got to kind of go out there and and make work yourself and market yourself Mm -hmm. in a way that people will take you seriously as a creative yeah uh, I want to ask you about writing competitions and in terms of the discovery of emerging writers. How important do you think they are? I'd be a hypocrite if I were to say not really, because I have been entering my script to a lot of competitions, a lot of them paid, so that's a lot of money I'm investing without any assurance that 
is actually going to do anything for me. Um, I do think that in the end, even if you're just getting feedback, um, that's still people who are reading your script. So, you know, even if you're not winning anything, you're still getting it out there in some way. Um, But I wouldn't count on just competitions. Um, So, you know, if you have the chance to make it in some way, make it. Um, Just send it to people, even if... Send it to companies, send it to agents, even if they're not really accepting scripts. You can just send query emails and just market your stuff out there. Um, But, you know, competitions will always look good to people, you know, if if you were to say, yeah, you know, I short, I got shortlisted for this competition or that competition, that, that's always going to be, you know, a bonus, so. It looked good on the TV, and it shows you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on them as a first, sort of, this is plan A, I'm going to enter into all of these competitions, and then I'm going to become famous. I don't, you have to be really lucky (laughs) for that to work. My, it's not impossible, but, you know. No, 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 but from my personal point of view, I think it's better to try and make those connections, get to know people, um, get to know people within the industry, and then try and find wiggle room for yourself. Try and find yeah. opportunities that way. As you say, rather than banking on what is essentially um, luck. or Yeah. Uh, last May, you and I, as part of our final year um, showcase with everyone in our year, organised the Underdog Scriptwriting Festival, which showcased the work of yourself, myself, nine other emerging writers. Um, how did you find organising that? Um, dreadful. <laughs> until the days when we had to actually present, um, I really kind of hated you guys. <laughs> I think it was it was because everyone was kind of busy doing their own thing that they didn't realize I had to do my own thing and then stuff mm-hmm. for everyone else as well. Um, and I kind of feel like it was very hard trying to get everyone organized and, and to prioritize the things that we had to do together first. Cause Especially because it was during all of those holidays and, you know, we had so much free time that people kind of got distracted and I was just so upset that I wouldn't get things by the deadlines that we all agreed on. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, looking back, it's just the dangers of working in a team. That's always going to happen, you know. No one's always going to move as the same entity. Yeah, but... I was really glad that I had someone to bounce ideas off of and that it, it really did bring us together. And I am very proud because it was it was probably the best showcase of the course, I think. I, I agree with you there compared to the ones that we'd seen in previous years. Yeah, and I think it's, it's because all of us had such high standards and expectations from ourselves and each mm. other that we sort of pushed each other to make it as good and as professional as possible. And I love that we argued about that. We didn't want to be seen as just final year students doing this final project. We wanted to be seen as professional writers entering the industry. And I think that was very important because we were so unified on that idea that I think that's why it worked so well. Yeah, and we all had an image of how we wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. And the quality of the writing generally spoke for that. In terms of the quality of the work that was produced, it was at a high standard. And in terms of the production values, we didn't want to settle for something that was substandard. Because yeah. that's not how we wanted to be seen um, by the industry people who we thought we were going to come. I mean, it was tried and tested because I used my experience on our festival to actually get the position on It's My Shout. When they saw, I just showed them the brochure and I told them about the event and they saw my skill and what I could do and they took me in. So it was, it, it did what it was supposed to do. It made industry professionals see 
yeah. our skills. <laughs> and I think there was some skepticism about that kind of during the course, but it shows like um, it, it can give you opportunities if executed correctly, if you take it seriously. These student showcases can be a lot more than just student showcases and for you it kind of allowed you to flex your muscles as a producer as well I guess. Yeah and it was so fun honestly because I knew that I wanted more from my piece than just you know sticking to a single medium or you know just sticking to that whole uh, final piece final project that yeah. I've done with uni. I wanted it to represent me in a way, so it was like, oh, I might as well just use all of the skills that I had. So I wrote a separate piece. I didn't use um, a fragment of the major piece. I wrote a companion piece, um, and I did the audio, and obviously for the audio I had to actually direct the actors and sort of find all of those people that helped me out and find all of those sounds that I used and obviously edit them together and then I had to do the video as well. I had no idea how to edit videos so I ended up <laughs> learning. <laughs> but it was, you know, it, was, it was a great experience because in the end it achieved what I wanted it to achieve which was yeah. to, to show myself to people and most of all to evoke emotion. And you know, now we're just reminiscing. Um, <laughs> but you know the little cards that I handed out to people where yeah. they had to write what love was to them? Um, I kept them, and even now when I'm looking at them, I'm like, people really took this seriously. And yeah. they wrote from the heart what they wrote on those cards. So it was really nice to, to get that audience participation as um, well um, and um, to just make them think what love was to them and what the piece yeah. would mean to them. And that was really great. <laughs> that was when I knew, you know, the piece was successful. The, the reason, yeah, as you said, the reason that they took it seriously was because of the effect that the piece had on them. Um, and, and you created kind of a companion piece to your major project, which yeah. you showcased. You, you, I mean, you didn't um, make it easy for yourself. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Was that always going to be the case, or um, why did you decide to do it in that way? Um, I think with this project, it was always it was always kind of like me making it hard for myself. Because even even with the the big script, um, <laughs> initially I was told you're not going to be able to pull this off. Just do any of the other ideas, which are easier. But I was adamant to do this one um even though i realized that you know being set in korea and starring two middle-aged men was going to be very hard to do um for the showcase i just two middle-aged men of korean descent <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know i insisted on that because i just i didn't want to write anything else and i was just feeling this story so deeply that i had to get it down and i knew that this was the secret to having a successful piece, just feeling yeah. it so much. Um, and, you know, then I found a workaround of the complications with the whole setting and, and main characters. And I knew that it was going to be audio, but I didn't really want to do the movie because I got this other idea that was really great. Mm. Um, and I have to thank Shane from Yellow Brick for that because he's the one who I kind of pitched them a little idea that I had, which did involve um, fragments of the movie. Um, and he actually gave me the idea to sort of change that and make something new. So that's how I came to write a completely new piece. <laughs> yeah, and, and did he make you think about the whole idea in a different way, like framing it in a different way and taking elements of it and kind of thinking about how you could display that in a way which was more conducive to the kind of budget and the things that you had at your disposal creatively. Oh yeah, I was, I was reaching 
with my initial ideas, but you know, I'm always reaching. Um, um, yeah. And it was it was Shane and, and Allie from Yellow Brick who kind of made me sort of realize that you can't do that, or if you can, it's gonna take you a very long time, and it won't look the way that you think it's going to look. Mm. Um, so this sort of made me reevaluate what it is that I'm looking for when I was making it, and trying they advised me to just try to make it as easy but as potent as possible i guess which is why i sort of ended up ended up with you know that audio and that kind of love letter format with just like little trinkets of visuals put in there instead of my initial one was very very visual and with my lacking video skills mm. that really wouldn't have worked and you and were was Shane, sorry go on Sorry, it was Shane that made me realize that making it more audio-based based would yeah. be the way to go. Because he was like, the way that you're pitching it now, you're making me feel like I have to feel what these people are feeling. Right. And what's better than, you know, hearing them and hearing all of those feelings. Um, so initially the idea was that everyone would hear them in like headphones. So it would make it more personal. Obviously that didn't end up happening but it was it was kind of what made me think ah this is a secret this is this is the way that I'm supposed to (laughs) to approach this were you skeptical of that initially of what of Shane's kind of suggestions on how to change your piece or were you immediately on board with it you know, I think for other stuff, I, I probably would be in general, but for this, I I started the whole thing with the idea that this was just an idea that I had, and it wasn't ready at all, so I wasn't really adamant yeah. to keep anything that I made, um, and that's why I asked them for help, because I was open to it, and I wanted them to sort of give me better suggestions than what I had, um, but I think in general... I would sort of try to, to fight for my ideas, even if they were impossible. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been, uh, you were an intern with Yarbeck. Um, what, what sort of insight did that give you into the industry in a more kind of general sense? Um, teamwork is very important um, and you always need to be prepared in meetings and you always need to have kind of everyone's interests in mind, especially as a producer, because I got the chance to shadow Ali, who was the producer on some of the pieces mm-hmm. they were working on when I was there. Um, and she brought me along to meetings and stuff. And it was all sort of like organizational things, you know, just keeping records of everything and pleasing clients and stuff. And even though that wasn't very creative, um, it was still really, really valuable to witness and see and learn. Um, because obviously you need to have such a skill at talking to people that you convince them of your vision, but you also need to compromise so that, you know, the people who are commissioning you to do something always, always feel valued and feel listened to, I guess. Yeah. So it was more like people skills and and sort of organizing things and, and learning how to approach meetings and stuff as a producer that I think I couldn't have learned as well if I had been anywhere else, really. And conducting yourself in a manner that doesn't make you look like a student who's just come out of uni, but yeah. in a way that makes you look like someone who's been doing this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think that's... I, I didn't feel we got that from our course in mm-hmm. terms of how to function as a professional as opposed to just an eager um, an enthusiastic student but someone who maybe doesn't have the street smarts to kind of know their way around the industry yeah I mean I don't know how we could have done that to that level I think the whole work experience module well, work experience model, what was it, professional practice, practice. was kind of meant to teach us that in a way, but I don't think we really had the means to do it, and that's why they kind of urged us to go out there and seek those opportunities for ourselves, because if you don't learn them, oh, I'm I'm getting, I'm getting the, 
the phrase in Romanian, <laughs> I don't know in English, if you don't learn it yourself, um, and if you don't, like, yeah. screw up, if you don't screw up, you're never going to learn. If you don't learn from... <laughs> like, go out there, even if you F it up, at least yeah. you learned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't learn from your own mistakes if you don't make any mistakes. <laughs> if you don't... Sorry, go on. For example, we would have ran, like, simulations, you know, with the lectures and be like, oh, this is... Pretend it's a professional setting and you have to do this, this, and that. We wouldn't have taken it seriously. Yeah, I but... I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> by virtue of it being a simulation, we wouldn't have kind of... We, the mindset is going to be, oh, this doesn't matter, this is only a simulation. Yeah. And then when you get to a real-world experience like that, you don't know how to conduct yourself. Exactly. I think we, we did try it, didn't we, when we were pretended, we were pretending to be interviewed? By Sean, like, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was just, because we knew each other, it was just sort of so awkward to ask each other questions as if we were employees and employers. Yeah. It was just really weird. And, you know, for me, like, I don't practice for interviewers or stuff like that, I just found it that it's better to just go in there, know my stuff, obviously, you know, do my research, be prepared, yeah. but don't practice it like it's a speech, because, you know, just be natural, you know, be yourself. Be yourself because people want to see a bit of character, people want yeah. to see a bit of who you are as a person, and that is going to be part of the decision of whether they employ you or not. Mm-hmm. Whether you come across as someone who is natural and genuine and if someone who that company would be able to work with. Yeah, and it's also about whether you're, you'll be able to thrive. Because mm. if you do pretend to be someone else or if you go with a super well-rehearsed thing and you get that position, but then you get lost when you're actually working, how is that going to help you in any way? No, like, I know that right it's, it's, very, it's a very common thing to lie on your CV and pamper it up and stuff. And, and that's okay, you know, to get that opportunity to be interviewed. But then, just I, I know everyone needs a job and all that, but you need to think about how that's going to be when you actually get it and you don't know how to do the things that you're supposed to do. Like, sure, you can figure, it out, figure them out as you go, but it's going to be so hard. I think there's a strength as well in admitting that you don't know stuff. I think yeah. we're afraid to admit that we don't know stuff quite a lot. Um, and that is a weakness, in my yeah. opinion. Um, we move on slightly, because it comes to the end, but you are the owner of Good Donut Writing, which yeah. is a script editing company. Um, how did you decide to start this company? Well, it's, it's kind of what I said about not really waiting for opportunities to be given to you and just kind of snatching them for yourself. And, you know, I realized I've learned so much in uni that could be useful for a lot of people. So why not just put all these skills to good use? Um, and especially because I have been entering my stuff to a lot of competitions and I've seen um, the kind of prices that people expect for, you know, just like two pages of feedback and stuff like that that seemed exorbitant. <laughs> so I was like, if as a writer, you don't have that kind of money lying around just for two pieces of feedback. So I've decided that, you know, I'm going to do a budget service for people who don't have the money to spend like that. Just, you know, um, and just, you know, help, help out authors because at the end of the day, art is extremely important and you know it's kind of what keeps us going especially during these times so you know everyone needs to sort of have someone to listen to them and read their stuff and give them feedback because that's how they grow as writers and we need we need a lot of writing we need new writing we need new ideas so, you know. especially in Wales where there, where there are many opportunities for the, the development of new writing I mean the human have just announced that they're going to reopen their literary department and appoint a new literary manager. But that is something that has been missing. I mean, Sean was the last person to be literary manager at Sherman, and that was like 10 years ago. So there isn't that kind of scope to develop new writing. And I think what Good Donut does is it gives writers a place 
to go where they can get feedback, they can get their work read. And then again, yeah. as you say, not at an extortionate rate. Yeah, and it's also kind of like less, I, I don't want to say less professional, but it's more like laid back because obviously it's just like behind a screen, you know, exchanging mm. emails and stuff and just, it's kind of a friendly service, you know, it's just like your friendly neighborhood crazy lady is reading your stuff <laughs> and, and helping you make it better. It's not, oh, this is my agent or this is my literary manager and I can't disappoint them and I dread meeting with them and, and reading their notes and stuff. It's like, you know, we're just pals and I'm reading your stuff and helping you out because you having a good piece is in my best interest. And you understand that, I mean, you read some of my pieces, you understand that this is work in progress yeah. and it needs a lot of development mm-hmm. and you... Your notes then apply that empathy to your kind of script editing, which, you know, writers don't need people to be overly judgmental because for my writers need to be nurtured and they yeah. need to know that they're doing the right thing at least partially at the beginning. Yeah, and I think more than anything, feedback is incredibly important because this is something that I'm struggling with now even if I write the best piece in the universe I would get tired of it if I keep reading it myself over and over and I need someone else to read it but you know if I don't have someone who actually knows what they're looking for and what they're doing when they're reading I just end up with feedback that's like oh yeah it was okay or oh you know it's kind of boring or stuff like that and I'm like yes but I need longer extensive notes on what doesn't work and what i can do to improve it but also not like oh it was horrible i hate it i don't want to read anything ever again you know it needs it needs a good balance that only another writer might be able to give you or Mm. someone who actually knows their stuff which is again why i'm trying to offer these services to other writers because i know how important they are absolutely it's vital for writers especially who are just coming through. I want to move on to my last question. We're coming to the end now. Um, what is uh, one piece of advice that um, you wish you'd been given or that you would give your younger self uh, for people starting out? I think just keep believing in yourself. Even if what you're dreaming about seems absurd, Nothing is absurd if you just keep working hard to get to it. And I think just constant work, 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 work. doesn't matter if it's, you know, really busting your ass <laughs> or not. Just, you know, put in the work and believe in yourself and, and you'll get there. Thank you, Lai. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.